You're listening to the Franchise Freedom Podcast with Giuseppe Grammatico. Okay, and welcome to the Franchise Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Giuseppe Grammatico, your franchise guide, and we have a very special guest for today. But before we dive into that, I wanted to thank everyone for joining this show. Uh, we're actually recording episode 101 today. Uh, just recorded uh, episode 100 yesterday, talking about key takeaways over the uh, over the journey, the first few years of my podcast journey. And uh, before we uh, we meet with our special guest, uh, this episode of Franchise Freedom is brought to you by the smbpodcastnetwork.com website that you can see it at the very bottom, and you'll see it up on on the top right-hand side of this. The network is a collection of podcasts and shows from around the internet, which focus on bringing you interviews with amazing guests who share actionable advice, ideas, information, and medium-sized businesses. Website, once again, smbpodcastnetwork.com to find more great shows and easily subscribe to be notified of new episodes. It's a great way to discover quality content. So feel free to like, share, uh, we appreciate it. And it's, a, as I mentioned, a one-stop shop to gather all your information. So with all that being said, again, thank you for joining us today. We have a very special guest. Today, we are meeting with Jason Olson and a cool bio on Jason. Jason is a serial entrepreneur based in Salt Lake City, Utah, and is the founder of Image Studios, a salon suite franchise with over 179 locations under development nationwide. He has an extensive experience in startups forming his first company at the age of 16. He has sold this company in junior year of college while at BYU. Uh, he has been called the illegitimate love child of strategy and creativity, harnessing the power of both traits to build unique, uh, uniquely branded companies that have strong cultures and clearly defined visions. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, very, very excited. Um, you know, we've been talking uh, for a while, getting you on the show. So su- super excited been working with your office quite a bit. Um, tell us a, a little bit about your background and and how did how did you get into uh, becoming a, a founder of, of Image Studios? Yeah, so uh, my first startup was in high school. It was uh, Streetlooks.com. It was a e-commerce website I built that sold car parts and accessories, aftermarket car parts and accessories online. Right as the internet was you know, becoming a thing. If you remember getting AOL right. discs in the mail. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, yeah. <laughs> Didn't seem that long ago, does it? <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah. So, you know, did that for seven years, sold it and then started uh, buying and selling cars. And so uh, ended up getting into the auto industry um, and started a car dealership in Salt Lake. Um, grew that for years. At one point, we had over 100 employees, two rooftops, and we're doing about 80 million in top line revenue annually. And we were, or and still are, one of the top three independent dealerships in the state as far as size. So really grew a lot of, uh, got a lot of great experience growing in retail, especially in a really difficult business to cut your teeth on, you know, dealerships are, you know, I think like similar to restaurants, which I think are some of the hardest businesses to run. You've got a lot of moving parts. You've got inventory that Mm -hmm. depreciates or rots like a restaurant. You have to move inventory quick. You have to manage lots of people and you have very thin margins. So uh, volume is key in a business like that. Um, And so things were going great, but then the recession of 08, 09 hit and it just, you know, 
we just fell flat on our face. Business just stopped overnight. I mean, it was a very terrifying time to be in the car business and real estate. If you were, you know, residential real estate or mortgages, everything just ground to a halt. Um, but I had a good friend of mine who came in one day to visit and bought a car and was talking to her and she's a hairstylist and everyone that I knew during the recession was struggling. I, everyone I knew was having a hard time, but she was telling me how good her business was going. And I was so intrigued because I had literally thought that there was no one that was escaping this recession without some major trauma. And so she ended up telling me she had just moved into this new new concept where she was she owns her own salon, but it was just a room within a space similar to like an executive office suite, but for hairstylists. And so um, at this time, I had been telling myself for a long time during the recession, I, I've got to get out of retail. I need to get out of the, you know, the car dealership world. I don't want to manage employees or this many employees. I don't want to manage this much risk. And I'm not having fun anymore, right? A business that big is a really big full-time commitment. Right. And so I wanted flexibility, freedom. I wanted to have more fun. I wanted to be more creative. There's just not a lot of those opportunities in that world. Um, and so when I went to go visit my friend, I walked into this space, which was in a really bad part of town in a, in a warehouse. It wasn't built nice, but it was full and people were excited to be there. And I, the minute I stepped foot in this, I, this place to go visit her, I just, I thought, this is it. This is what I'm doing next. And what I saw was an opportunity to create something that looks and feels like it's part of the beauty industry, a, you know, gorgeous, sexy brand that, that provides business and entrepreneurial support to these beauty professionals who, for the most part, have never owned a business before. Mm -hmm. They went to trade school to learn a skill, you know, to learn how to cut hair, or do nails or do aesthetics, but they don't learn anything about business. And running a business requires some business intelligence and you have to learn that. Right. And so we've really been focused on not only creating beautiful spaces for people to come and move their business into, but also a best in class entrepreneurial training and coaching program so that they're successful at it. No matter how good you are at a skill that makes you an entrepreneur, you still have to have another skill, which is the actual part of running a business, right. that business intelligence. So we spent a lot of time on that. So in June of 2010, um, I opened up the first location here in Draper, Utah. And then the rest is history. I ended up building five locations over five years. And then in 2016, decided to continue to grow the brand by, by entering the franchise industry um, with Image Studios. And so we're loving where we're at. We've, we're in 17 states right now, and we'll open another 30 stores this year and probably 40 to 50 stores next year um, is our trajectory right now. So we've got a lot of great things ahead. Wow. That's uh, extre extremely impressive. When, when uh, as, as you were talking about that, it reminded me of the, of the book, uh, E-Myth Revisited, which you know, most of us have read, um, talking about technicians. And sometimes a technician isn't necessarily a the right person to run a business. So maybe someone's good at cutting hair or they're a great plumber, um, but they don't know how to answer the phone. They don't know marketing. They're not organized. They don't have a calendar. So uh, I think this is huge because you do have, you're, you're essentially giving, if I'm not mistaken, given the opportunity to people that worked at a salon that can easily set up a some, type, some sort of legal entity and LLC or S corporation, and they're in business for themselves uh, pretty easily, if I understand that correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, uh, 
you know, and, and the, the interesting thing about the beauty industry, it's it's highly, highly entrepreneurial. You know, the number one reason, it's not the only reason, but the number one majority reason when, when students are surveyed in beauty school, why did they get into the beauty industry or why do they want to? The number one reason and motive is because they want to own their own salon or spa one day. Hmm. So here you have an industry that's very creative, very independent and entrepreneurial, but the entire industry is not set up to to let entrepreneurship flourish because there's just, again, it's focused on the skills and the, and the aspects of that. Um, and so that's where I think the big opportunity with what we're doing is, is helping create entrepreneurs uh, in all these different locations across the country. That is, that, that, that is very interesting that, that that's what they aspire to be, but they have no idea. And I guess because of that, you don't know where to start. So a lot of people just say, well, I'll just, I'll work for so-and-so I'll, I'll work in a large salon just because I'm, I'm not sure exactly where to go. That is, that is very interesting. Um, COVID, you know, a lot of things shut down. Um, I'm assuming maybe some of the, you know, salons had, had, had closed up and, you know, just, you know, 10, 15 plus employees. How, how, how do they affect the uh, salon suite industry, given that they're smaller quarters versus that big open space in, in a traditional salon? Yeah, it had actually a really, really great impact as weird as that sounds. You know, we, mm-hmm. we were shut down in every location we have open at some point because of those rolling shutdowns we saw during during COVID when it was really um, in the beginning stages. So it, it wasn't fun when salon when our salons were shut down because right everyone's business was shut down. Um, but what we found was coming out of these shutdowns, traditional salons and spas, you know, a lot of people didn't want to go back to work in a crowded salon, shoulder to shoulder, chair next to chair, next to chair. Um, and even if they did, their, some of their clients didn't want to go back. They didn't feel comfortable. A lot of clients took a long time to get feel like they were comfortable and safe going back into big crowded places like that. So there was a really big shift in the industry, um, more so than pre-COVID, where this has been a growing concept that's been getting a lot of uh, attention, a lot of traction, a lot of people moving into it. But what we've seen was, you know, I shouldn't say post-COVID because I think COVID's here forever, unfortunately, but Mm -hmm. post-vaccine was just an acceleration of the demand into these private one-on-one spaces because they are they're flexible. They're their own space. They have complete control of how they clean it and right. in there. And so it was a really, you know, uh, it's, and still as we, you know, been a huge boom after COVID, we had some of our highest leasing activity during three months of the shutdown across mm-hmm. the country. So we pivoted to a virtual tour with all our franchisees. So they were giving tours, you know, over their phone, People were sending leases on DocuSign. They haven't even stepped foot in the space yet, but um, we, it was business as usual for us because again, we, we went digital and figured out how we keep making sure people have access to, to seeing the, seeing these spaces and getting exposed to what that opportunity is. I'd love to hear that. I I always tell people when, when you're looking at a franchise uh, COVID and uh, to your point, right, this is, this seems like it's here to stay. um, But it's the advantage of someone looking at a franchise right now is that when you speak with a franchise or speak with the franchisees, it's not just about, hey, is this a good fit and validation? But, but really, what did the franchisor do during COVID to really step up and help their franchisees? Did they just sit on 
their hands did did they pivot? Did they go virtual? Did, you know what changes were made? So I'm I'm really glad to hear that because that is part of some of the questions. Because with every every new person family that, that I work with, we talk about lists of questions and things to be asking um, to the franchisees as well as the franchisor. So I'm I'm really glad to to hear that. So what um so what truly makes Image Studios unique? I, I had the pleasure of, of of actually being a salon suite. Just happened to be on. First time, you know, I've seen the virtual tours, but actually going in and I was, it was truly amazed how really, you know, everything is digital. There's no, you don't need that necessary front desk, uh, someone to, uh, to kind of sign you in and let you know where to go. It's all digital. It's, it's efficient. So what is the, the true value proposition? What, what truly makes Image Studios different? Yeah, you know, I think the the first one that stands out the biggest is is the brand, the culture, and the design of these spaces, the functionality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I've, you know, we see ourselves as a very very high end luxury brand within the beauty industry, a brand that appeals to to people, whether it's our professionals or our franchisees, both. But it's a lifestyle business for everyone involved. You know, it gives people a lot of flexibility and freedom. But uh, we wanted to design spaces that, again, looked and felt like uh, some of the nicest places you'd see in New York, L.A. or Miami. Mm. But we want to bring those to Omaha, St. Louis, Salt Lake, Denver, Houston, and basically bringing this this high end experience to everyone across the country so that they can feel proud to locate their business in one of these beautiful spaces. It also helps elevate their business. Their clients love the new spaces. Um, We also design these spaces with, with a lot of custom built millwork that's very flexible. So our Mm. spaces can transition from a hair salon to an aesthetic suite Mm. or to a nail salon. Um, Really, really easy, really, really quickly with very little cost. Um, So we have a lot of, a lot of flexibility in that way. But I think uh, when you look at culture, you know, the uh, culture, I always say culture is the invisible force of a brand. It's the character. It's the the backbone of a brand. It It is what creates that experience. And it's what keeps people engaged with a brand long term. And I don't care what what brand it is. There's culture behind every brand, whether it's intentional or not. Right. Most of the time, from my experience, most brands do not really spend a lot of time intentionally developing culture. They culture just ends up becoming a bit of the founder's personality and the first couple of hires, and then the managerial team. And but everyone's learning from the founder. And so right. when people say their you know their business struggles with culture, I always say, well, you have to go back and talk to the founder because they're the ones ultimately responsible, whether it was an active choice or 100%. not. And it just, it all, I mean, where do people learn these things, right? They learn them from their boss and the bosses and the founder and, you know, it all trickles down. And so it's been really, I think above all, what's most important is entrepreneurship is scary for people. It's, it's scary for everybody. I don't care how much research you do, how prepared you are to start a business. Every time I've done it, I've been terrified. I've been excited and everything in between. I call it the bipolar Roller coaster of yeah. <laughs> one day you think you're going to kick ass. Yep. Next day, you know, 2 a.m. in the morning, you're wide awake in bed going, what if I fail? <laughs> you know, what if this all falls to pieces? And, you know, and, but then the next day, you're like, no, I think I can do this. So you go back and forth between mm-hmm. this and, but, but it's entrepreneurship scary and it's also lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, you don't really get to talk to a lot of people doing what you do because they're competitors. 
But in our business, uh, and not just on the franchise side, but you know, on the salon professional side, there's a big need for them to still feel like they they moved over because they don't want to have a job and work for someone right. anymore. They want to run a business, but they still want to be part of a team and a community. And so it's really important. And we spend a lot of time building that community, that camaraderie, that culture, because the culture piece is what is the it that's the piece that will will make things stick for people for years and years and years. So I think when you look at not, not only design and aesthetic and customer experience and business and training and support, but ultimately the culture piece and, and how these, these professionals, how they fit into the community which with, of which they belong. I like that. No, absolutely. Culture is big. And to your point, it does, it's from the top down. So um, if, if it's not working, <laughs> look, look in the mirror and figure out what, what's going on and obviously fix it. But uh, yes, the entrepreneurial journey, uh, roller coaster, what, I, I forget how you phrased it, but it is definitely bipolar a roller, roller coaster. <laughs> bi- bipolar roller coaster. I like that. It is. You're right. I mean, people cannot relate and you can study, you can read it. I was extremely prepared for my first business. I knew exactly what to expect. Everything kind of fell in line, yet it still was a stress experience because not getting a paycheck when you normally get a paycheck every other week, knowing I wasn't going to get a paycheck and said I was disciplined enough not to pay myself and reinvest, it's still stressful. So I think just being prepared and when you've gone through it and you're talking to people, much different conversation than, oh, I've heard some do it. So uh, mm-hmm. it's fun. It, it's 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 part of the process and it's completely worth it, right? Depending on what you're, you're looking to accomplish. So a- absolutely worth it. Um, image Studio. So, you know, it, to me, it sounds like it's a it's a model that doesn't really require any employees. But most people I talk to or I work with, I should say, have no experience whatsoever aside from getting their their haircut um, or maybe going to a, a professional to get their nails done. Uh, they don't really know much about the industry. So, tell us a little about who's a good fit for an Image Studio franchise, and and w- what about those people have never actually had experience in that industry? Yeah, and uh, you know. My experience in the beauty industry b- before getting into this was was completely zero. Um, I was wow. pretty intimidated about getting into this industry because there is a there is a culture in beauty that I think you have to kind of be in that industry to really be part of the industry mm-hmm. as a beauty professional. It's hard to fake your way into the side into the realm of beauty without being a, a beauty professional of some kind. Right. Um, but the nice thing is what this business is, is, is not, it's really not the beauty industry. Um, we're, you know, at our, at our core, we are a real estate, you know, property management company. So our, our job mm-hmm. as business owners in this brand is to build these spaces, to manage them, manage the property, manage our professionals who are our tenants. Um, and again, provide those business training and coaching classes to keep them engaged in their own business but we look at it as this this formula right we we manage the property we manage the space we help them get better at business they manage the beauty side of the business and together it really creates an intoxicating formula for success where we 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 know the the boundaries of where we play well and we respect theirs and we're not here to tell them how to do how to do better work in the beauty industry you know, the, on average, people who come over to our brand and rent space have been in the industry 10.2 years. 
So they're, they've been doing this a long time. They're experts already, mm-hmm. right? And they, they're not looking for a boss. They're looking for someone who's going to you know, make sure that they don't have to worry about the physical space they're in. Right. So um, I, we have a lot of people that always say, oh, it's beauty sounds fun, but I don't know anything about beauty. And we say, that's, that's great because you don't need to. And what you need mm-hmm. to know, you can easily learn. And it, it is such a high reward concept in this business because, again, you get to work with other entrepreneurs. And I love the thing I love about entrepreneurship and people who are entrepreneurs, there's just there's a little bit of zest in them that you that you don't see in a lot of other professions. There's a little thing in their eye, a little bit of crazy sometimes. <laughs> yes. People, these people like can take a risk and they can stomach it and they can move forward and they don't get paralyzed. And so it's really, it's really fun because the community in t- from the top down is everyone's entrepreneurs. And so you, you're working with other entrepreneurs. It's fun. They're mature. Mm-hmm. You know, they're at a point in their life. They're not screwing around. Right. So everyone's, everyone's responsible. You know, it's just, it's a great community to work with. And, it, and again, like you had mentioned, you don't need to have employees to run these locations. When I had my five locations running before I started franchising, I had one full-time employee who was doing front end. So she was doing like front of housework. So leasing, she was coordinating repairs and maintenance, move-ins and move out. So she was like, quote unquote, like a property manager. And then I had a, a, a contractor, like a 1099 handyman, 1099 janitorial crew, and a 1099 bookkeeper that did part-time accounting. Um, So one full-time employee and then three contract part-time to run five rooftops and service almost 200 studios within those five rooftops. Um, So again, just a night and day difference from a a retail business with five locations, you'd have to have 50 employees to run whatever that was. Much, yeah, much, much big, uh, yeah, much, much a bigger difference, I should say, um, number of employees, which I know some people that seems to be the trend. I want a few number of employees. I don't want to have 50 employees all kind of and, and, you know, eliminating that, um, that revolving door of people coming and going. So that, that's a very common, uh, common request I get when, when, uh, working with people. Um, you know, go, going back to what you were saying about the other business owners and kind of working around their, uh, uh, working together. It's almost like a mastermind. You know, I, as a franchise consultant, we we're meeting soon, you know, coming up in, uh, what are we, uh, July, uh, for, for our conference. But, but even the franchisees getting together, it's, it's a mastermind because some, some are coming from different industries. Uh, some are, are, you know, have, have owned multiple businesses and they all bring great ideas to the table. So that's, that's what I truly enjoy about franchising is that you're, you're getting a, a mastermind, uh, built in to, to the franchise at no extra uh, charge. And you're getting all these great ideas uh, that you can share with one another. Um, so I like we had to say, so th- this is, you know, as much as their salon suites, it's, it's really a real estate play. You're, you're, you're essentially a landlord, right. To, to an extent, you know, you may, you're not required to, to, unless, unless it's an option to own the property, you're, you're essentially leasing just say, a, you know, a, a floor of a building. Maybe that's the entire first floor of a building, but essentially this is, this is a real estate play for someone looking to own real estate, have that, have that, um, have the tenants, right. So be, be more of a landlord, but without having to put out, you know, you know, millions and millions of dollars to build out and buy an entire building and location. Is that, is that correct? Or am I, is, am I, am I wrong by any of that? Yeah. Average 
size of our spaces range uh, anywhere from 5,500 square feet, which is about the size of a blockbuster, you know, if we remember yeah. those, um, all the way up to 12 or 13, 14,000 square feet, mm-hmm. which would be the size of like a small Walgreens or a CVS. Okay. Um, but, but so there's a lot of range that, you know, of size that, and the size is mostly constrained by what, what the investment budget is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but if people are interested in purchasing real estate or they already own commercial real estate that they want to do this in, it's even better because it, when you own the property, um, you obviously, you, you gain on the appreciation that the, you know, that that property gains right. every year. Um, but you also are not paying retail rents to a landlord. You are the landlord. So you right. have, um, you have a bigger margin there typically when you own the property. So, it, but it works both ways. We like the leasing model. I never bought property. I wish I had, uh, when I was, when I was building stores, but I also did the lease model because you can leverage a lot of tenant improvement monies from the landlords to help build out your space. And so, right. you know, buying property is mm-hmm. is nice, but you have to have a lot more cash because you got to put a down payment on it. And then you have to do the, all the, you know, the whole build out yourself. Whereas right. in a leased space, you get maybe 20, 30% of that build out cost reimbursed from the landlord. So it really helps as you're trying to scale to be asset light by leasing, but there's both, both are great and you can't go wrong with either one. Right. No, I, I like that. So this is definitely going to gain the interest of a lot of people listening in. So I wanted to talk to you at a very high level because, um, and we'll, with the assumption of leasing, right? Not buying the building. What to, for someone to qualify financially, and again, this is not buying the building, we're just leasing and on a smaller space. I just want to be very clear and, and, and up in front and honest with everyone that this may not financially be, be a great fit for everyone. So talk to us a little bit about what that looks like and who who financial would would uh, would be a good fit. Yeah, so uh, ideally, we like to see at least six to seven hundred thousand in liquid mm-hmm. uh, cash, so cash or cash equivalents. Um, so whether that's that's money in the bank or it's in stocks and bonds that are not in an IRA account um, mm-hmm. that you'd be able to borrow against, then that would that would be good. So that's that's a good starting place. There, we typically also see a minimum net worth of about 1.5 million or higher. Um, and then, and these criteria are in place, not only to make sure that people can get through the build out, you know, with ease and not be over constrained on budgets, but it's also because these are what these, these are some of the requirements landlords are going to look at when you're trying to lease space that size. Right. So we, if you don't have those, those things met, it's going to be tough to get space leased anyway. So that is, that is kind of the the starting point on what we look for. Okay. No, that sounds great. I want I wanted to bring that up because this business model really checks off all the boxes. So people are like, okay, where do I sign up for this? I just wanted to be clear that it is a larger investment, but ongoing expenses really don't need any employees, as you mentioned. So uh definitely obviously factoring all that and taking that into consideration. So um what what haven't we talked about today? Um anything new up and coming that you can talk about uh with Image Studios? Yeah, I mean, I think just probably something that a lot of your audience is probably thinking or feeling as they're thinking about getting into entrepreneurship. Um, you know, when we work with our our franchise franchisees quite a bit, especially in that discovery process. But I always tell people, you know, starting a business, and I mentioned this a little earlier, but starting a business is is scary. 
you have, you know, we all want to have no risk and we, you know, the, 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 the saying, like they say, no risk, no reward is, is literally true because if there was no risk for something, everyone would do it. Right. It would dilute the opportunity and then you'd be back to zero. And that's again, why when there's risk, you, you typically have some reward out there. What I always tell people is risk is what you have after you've thought through everything. And so as entrepreneurs, our job is to think through, how does this go wrong? If it does go wrong, how do I fix it? Or how do I do this? How do I do that? Um, you'll never think through every scenario to reduce all your risk, but I do, I tell people, but your job is to be thinking well through it and understand that, that when you encounter risk, after you've thought through everything, that's also where the advantage of a community and a network is huge because that's why, that's why I love the franchise model is you have, you're not only buying into a brand, you're also buying into that mastermind group, a group. These are you know, the group you join in any franchise. It's not just right. ours, but any franchise is typically it's a group of really well, successful entrepreneurs. And a lot of these people have, this is their first foray into entrepreneurship. But like, again, think about the excitement of having all these people who you are also now networked with, who are not just entrepreneurs, but they're doing the same thing you are. And I remember at, after I opened my third store and, you know, you make a lot of mistakes in business when you're starting from scratch, which you can avoid with franchising. Mm -hmm. But I remember talking to my brother one day and I was just like, I was so discouraged. I, there was just so many things that were just coming to a head at that point. And I told him, I, was, I, I said, I wish we would have just bought a franchise because <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, I wouldn't have to deal with any of right. this. <laughs> it's all figured and, out. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, but, but most important, it was just lonely. It's very lonely sometimes as an entrepreneur when you're not in a franchise, because I could not go to anyone in my industry and be like, what do you do when this happens? Right. I'm their competitor. They're not going to answer my phone call. I'm not going right. to <laughs> talk. Right. So like you are truly on an Island of your own a lot of times as an entrepreneur, but not in franchising. And I think that's one of the most you know, I think underrated things that I look, I see in candidates when they're looking at joining the brand is, is they're undervaluing what that network is. And they, right. and it's really hard to actually value it till you get into it. And then you realize, wow, this yes. is one of the most powerful parts, but there is some serious magic that happens when you are with other entrepreneurs who are doing similar things, solving similar problems, the amount of ideas and brainstorming and cohesiveness and just the catalyst of good ideas. It's just so much fun. That's why I love, I absolutely love my job because my job is to work with all, all of our entrepreneurs, right? All right. of our image owners. It's, and then they're working with the beauty professional entrepreneurs. Like this is just a dream come true for me because th these are my people. This is who I want to be around because I also am very inspired by other entrepreneurs who, again, we all are taking risks and we all are working our butts off. And we all have faith that whatever we encounter in the future that we haven't thought of now, we have the confidence that we'll be able to solve it if, when that comes, if it comes. You know, we don't get paralyzed when, when you know, quote unquote, shit hits the fan. Right. Again, form a plan. And, and so I think that's what's what I'm sure a lot of your audience is, is thinking through, too, is just they've probably... It's got a lot of this interest of doing this, having this freedom mm -hmm. and wanting control and that where, you know, whatever the opportunity is, uh, I think the franchise route is such a great way though, because of those synergies that are really, really powerful. Love that. Yeah. I, I, I tell everyone I work with, with, you know, to your point, you know, knowledge, I don't say knowledge is power. It's applied knowledge, but 
you know, gathering, fact finding, get all that information. You're not the first person that had these concerns or questions. So you have all these great people that you can speak with and talk to and talk it through. And, you know, not every franchise is the best fit for everyone, right? You got to find what's, what's a good fit for you. Um, and we, that, that's what I spend most of my, my days on is figuring out great matches for people, but you have that, uh, that huge benefit of being able to talk to these people. And what if, uh, you know, it takes me an extra month to launch. What if the landlord, the lease falls through? There's all these, what ifs it's happened before people have had these concerns and you talk it through and you, and you figure out worst case. And that, is the stuff that's going to help you sleep at night, writing it down, discussing it, and that just, you know, keeping it up in your head. And that, that's, what's going to keep you up at night. And you have great people like yourself, the franchisees uh, that, that um, they can all speak with. So, uh, and you do have a really cool job because not only are you helping franchisees, you got all the, the salon professionals. So these are, these are, you know, every dozens of lives are changing. So um, when you look at it that way, sometimes there are headaches during the day, but man, shit, that's a, that's a pretty, uh, rewarding, uh, you know, d- days of work, uh, day of work, I should say, when you're helping all these people. Yeah. Um, um, that being said, I, I, I always like to, um, and sometimes I'm scared to ask this question. So we ask for the answers ahead of time, but tell us a cool fact, a cool fact about yourself. Cool fact. Uh, well, obviously living in Salt Lake, I'm a big skier. I'm, I live 22 minutes from three amazing ski resorts. So I get up quite a bit. Um, love to trail run, um, paraglide. And, uh, I also am learning how to build my own fireworks right now. So hold them up for everyone, making sure they're all there. How, how long has it been? Let's see the other hand. All right. <laughs> <we're> good. <laughs> all fi- all fingers are there. I remember yeah, back in the, the M8, the M80 days of blowing up stuff from, uh, from my childhood days. So that, that, that's pretty interesting. Is that, is that difficult? I've not heard of anyone building their own fireworks. I didn't, I really didn't know it was a thing, but I, I love, you know, aerial fireworks and, you know, uh, but I was doing some research a couple of years ago and I realized you like, there's a whole community of, of learning how to build them. It's really not that hard. It's just, you have to be very careful with the black powder, obviously. Right. Um, which is mostly just a well-ventilated space with no sparks around. <laughs> um, that's interesting, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really actually quite simple. It's just, getting the materials prepared and, and put together can take some time. So I am definitely no expert by any means, but um, it's a fun little hobby to slowly whittle away at. That's interesting. I got, I got to look into it. We, we definitely have to, when we, when we, when I see you in July, I want to, I want to learn more about that. We, um, we live here in uh, at the Jersey shore and we have fireworks from now Memorial day to, to labor day every week. So uh, kids Ooh, love nice. watching that. So I don't know if dad's going to make some fireworks. We'll, we, we shall see, but, uh, I, that, that's, that's pretty interesting. So that's definitely a first. Yeah. Um, well, li- listen, Jason, it, it's, it's been awesome uh, having you in the show. If anyone has any questions for, uh, for Jason or wants to learn a little bit more about, about image studios, let us know, Le- leave a comment below. We'll, we'll definitely make a, definitely make an introduction for you and figure out if, if a, a salon suite such as uh, image studios may be a good fit. So, uh, Comments below, questions. We'll make sure to answer all those. Jason, I really appreciate uh, you being on the show. This has been awesome and uh, I learned a lot today. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's great to be here. Thanks again. Thanks for tuning in. Whenever you're ready, here are three ways Giuseppe can help. One, if you've ever considered owning a business of any kind, you owe it to yourself to get a copy of Giuseppe's book, Franchise Freedom. Download your free copy at ggthefranchiseguide.com slash book. 
Two, want to understand how successful executives make the transition from corporate to owning their own franchise? Join Giuseppe's next online presentation, Franchise Freedom, How to Escape the Corporate World and Have Financial and Time Freedom by Owning a Franchise by going to ggthefranchiseguide.com slash video. Three, want to work with Giuseppe one-on-one to identify the right franchise opportunity for you to navigate the process and get plugged into experienced franchising advisors? Send him an email to gg at ggthefranchiseguide.com with one-on-one in the subject, and he'll send you all the details.